0: You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Quality Control Podcast, a podcast focused on helping engineering professionals ensure their projects are of the highest quality. The goal of the show is to provide strategies and concepts to help ensure that you address quality control on all of your projects. I'm your host, Brian Wagner, Licensed Professional Engineer, and in this episode of the Engineering Quality Control Podcast, I'll be talking with Mamadou Diallo about how he and his experiences about transitioning between education and the workforce through even early career promotions. So let's jump right in. Now I'd like to welcome our guest for today, Mamadou Diallo. He's an EIT and technical project manager and the host of Engineers Hub podcast. Mamadou, welcome to the Engineering Quality Control podcast.
2: Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: So I know you're involved in a lot of different things, and I hope that we can touch on most of them at least a little bit, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what you do on a daily basis in your career?
2: Sure. Um, So my background is in mechanical engineering. Currently, I work as a uh, technical project manager. And before that, I was working as a project engineer and before that, an applications engineer. My day to day as a technical project manager now involves it's very focused on clients and making sure that our products are being delivered on time, making sure that um, it meets all of our quality standards, uh, making sure that it meets the uh, the client schedule, making sure that the team is functioning internally very well to ensure that processes are, go- are doing well and performed efficiently, working a lot with our suppliers, clients, um, and also distributors just to make sure that things are accounted for, make sure that, uh, we're looking ahead, make sure that we're just preparing and, you know, trying to anticipate when fires might happen and figure out how to put them out before they happen. Um, so, just every day is very different. You always start with a schedule, but you never know what the day has to bring.
1: Well, it sounds like a lot of good things and a lot of excitement that you enjoy, right?
2: Definitely. Yeah, when things are going well, it's fun. And when things aren't going well, it's also <laughs> the whole other story.
1: I think we've all experienced that at some point in our career. And that leads me kind of my next question. Most of the people so far on this podcast have been... I don't want to say older, but they've been more experienced. They've been in their career for a period of time. I like to think that I'm about halfway through my career because I'm 40. So I figure if I can retire when I'm 60, I'll be completely happy. But you're kind of more early in your career. You just graduated from college a few years ago. And I'm just curious about your opinion and your thoughts on how you transitioned. You've been in a couple different roles and promoted. it over the years, but how did you go from maybe thinking about getting good grades to producing high quality work and working as a team to produce high quality work?
2: Well, getting good grades is one thing, but you you learn early on, and oftentimes this is, it may not be very emphasized when taking your classes and in college, wherein you just mostly focused on your work and your output. Right, But when you're working in a team, uh, just the transition from college to going to the workforce and then now in the role I'm playing in, uh, you have to be mindful of your work, but you also have to try and think about how your work affects everyone else and how other individuals' work affects the team's goals and the team's objectives. So it's very important to try to, you have to be data oriented, but also be mindful of the big picture at the same time. So it's, it's definitely some, something to to consider and think about often, all day, daily.
1: Right, because, the I mean, the goal is still the same, is to do good things and do have positive impacts and, and get good scores maybe from your team. Like you said, it's not just the individual effort that everybody's trying to get that A and everybody's trying to work together to get to that finished product.
2: Yeah, and, you know, one person might have an A, but, you know, if... If everyone else have C's or if their A might hurt someone else, you know, you can say, okay, well, how, how can that happen? Well, you know, when, when you have scheduled constraints, you have time constraints, right? And you have to make decisions and you have to sometimes move ahead and try to get ahead. You care about what one person does, but you also think about how it affects others. So it's always compromising and thinking about the best output. What can the team do collectively to get our best output? And that doesn't always necessarily involve mean that each piece of that is going to have to be always 100%. And, you know, it's, it might be difficult to understand or visualize, but it is a case.
1: I mean, I've worked with somebody that he was very efficient and very detail-oriented, but he took a long time to get stuff done. So when other people are waiting for him, it's frustrating to the other people. So... I can definitely see those points. And I think that's a, there's a little bit of a curve as you enter and you transition from that internship or that just stepping in the door the first day to three years, five years, eight years down the road, where the tables kind of turn and you become that resource for those other people. And I think that's where you've kind of moved into now, moving up a little bit into more of a project management role. Can you share any of your experiences to how that affected? the quality of your own personal work? I know when I transitioned from just doing design and working as a member of a team, delegating duties for myself was one of my challenges, but I'm just curious what maybe you have to offer
2: the listeners. It's a balance because some of the things that helped me, you know, working with electrical teams, controls teams, mechanical teams, you know, and then you have site installers and you're just trying to get everything to work and everyone is a different locations at the same time. I talk to a lot of people on a daily basis, but one of the things that I've come to realize, like one of the aha moments, like you call them, I do a lot more listening than actually talking. So I interact with a lot of people, but it's oftentimes really the majority of those conversations are me listening and just understanding, first of all, how much the other person knows and then understand the better end goal objective but in order for me to come and communicate that to let's say our electrical engineer, you know, or the electrical engineering team and explain to them how that relates to the to the goal, it's oftentimes best to just listen first, right? Listen and you you can just always ask the question, hey, how's this coming along? Will allow them to really open up to you and share a lot. And then when you listen to everything they have to say, then you can try and process that and you know, try to talk to them or ask them how does that or what they're doing impact what you're trying to accomplish as a team. So it's just repeating that, reminding that, but first listening and seeing where they're at. Because oftentimes, you know, one of the things that i realize realized is, you know, like when you work with a great team, you don't always have to keep reminding everybody of the thing. It's most people are comfortable doing their work and what they may not be as comfortable reporting or talking about it or giving progress updates. So it's more so just, getting progress updates, how things are going, and you're recording that and then just bringing it along. Right. Maintaining
1: that communication. I think that's a great piece of advice that just listening. If you're new to project management or you're new now, all oh, I have to manage this. I have to organize it. I have to force it to happen. But in reality, everybody's trying to get to that same goal, like you said. So encouraging someone just to listen and hear what's needed and then You know what resources as a manager that you need to support and give in order to help get to that finished product.
2: One of the most important things usually is just first at the beginning, it's really good to have a good schedule. And and oftentimes, of course, you talk about timelines, you talk about deadlines. So having that conversation at the one set, having just a debriefing with everyone on the team and explaining the goal. But In terms of just making a timeline and schedule, one of the best things that I've learned is I don't really live in this under rock where, you know, things go as I want or as I wish. So letting people be involved and actually make schedule based on what they tell you and what they approximate is the best way to get the team to work towards that goal. And then also, you know, relating it to just the quality, having those, discussing them, hey, Where do we need to have a controls, you know, at what point, you know, what milestone of your work do we need to maybe get someone else to look at it, you know, and and have it checked and verified before we move forward. And just making those checkpoints by working with each team and each involved party individually is a great way to do that.
1: You've hit timeline several times and you talk about like clients' needs and times. What happens in your world when you know you're going to miss the deadline? Like, there's no way that you're possibly ever going to get it done. There's something holding it up, whether you control it or not. And maybe we can do it both ways. The things that you can't control, you're waiting on somebody else. You're waiting on something that you really have no physical control of. What do you do in that situation?
2: One thing I found effective is just, again, when you really build, like, a comprehensive schedule at the start, right, and you try to get timelines based on... Have parts availability, components, and sometimes, at least within the world that I live in, there's also engineering. You know, you gotta estimate how much engineering, how much time it takes just for the engineering, and then that has to be released, and then that has to be sent to maybe a manufacturer or a supplier. So the first thing is just having a, a good idea, and then from there on, looking at okay, what are the things that. Are definitely going to make it, right? Identifying the things that you are certain, either you have in stock already, you have an in inventory, so you don't worry about those. And then there's some items, right? Some parts of the project that are going to be in that gray area. And when you make the schedule and then you communicate with your clients, you have to be very upfront about that. Don't make the mistake of overcommitting. If you overcommit, that's going to end up happening is they're going to hold you accountable to that. Right, and then you're gonna end up pushing your team, right? And you're gonna pass on all that pressure onto your team, and they might push it, but it's gonna affect either quality or something else, right? So, don't pass on that pressure to your team. You know, take on that pressure and then deal with the client. And if it's a bad news, it's better to pass it on, right? So you have the items to do area. And then if there are items that are definitely not going to make it, also be upfront about that. Have a conversation early on and set the expectations early on so because it's going to affect a lot of things later on when you go down the line.
1: And that can be hard, especially as a new engineer, a new person, Even even experienced people have trouble with confrontation. And it's not necessarily like confrontation because I'm mad at you because you didn't get your work done. But especially over the past couple of years, the supply chain issues and the just the demand for work to get done, it's hard to hit every deadline. We're not, I mean, we want to be perfect, right? But that's unrealistic. I think that you're hitting a lot of the same kind of things that I've experienced, but don't just shy away from it. And I would assume that you're going to say, what sacrifices can you make? Because quality sacrifices are not really the best thing to look at, right? Have any thoughts on what sacrifices in any situation? Because obviously, giving up quality is not an ideal situation.
2: Yeah, you never want to give up on quality because what's going to happen is if you give up on quality or you sacrifice on quality and your client gets that product early or on time, they're going to be happy at first. But when things go wrong, right? It's probably fixing that might end up taking longer than had you just took the proper protocol and just delayed it by. Couple of days or weeks that might have prevented certain things, and ultimately they're gonna be happier, right? You know, a, a good case to think about is just right now you hear of people who are trying to order Teslas and it's a one-year wait time. I try to actually do study some of these giants like Apple and Tesla, and they just released a, a new AirPod model, and you try to think about okay, well, you know, what quality controls they have to take to make it available, but for the case in for Tesla. The wait time is a year or more, and they have the reasons for doing that. They could compromise and maybe buy parts that may be more accessible, but it may not meet some quality standards, right? And ultimately, you know, people wait for a year and they get their Tesla and they're still happy. However, you know, if you try to compromise on that and the client gets a product that's subpar, they might not ever do business with you again. So that's a bigger risk for me. So in terms of sacrifice, what you want to look at is, and that's not a decision you always have to make on your own. That's some a decision you have to make with the client. And you have to see also what the client is willing to sacrifice, because if that's what it takes, the client has to decide, they're your end customer and they, you know, they might have to decide, okay, what's more important? The timeline of getting these things, right? So make that decision with the client. You can make a suggestion, but you have to make it with them.
1: I think that's a great advice as well is that it is teamwork. I mean, we're all trying to get to that same goal and we definitely don't want to sacrifice quality. I know a lot of times, at least it seems like I've heard and I've experienced it too. We need to really check this set of plans or this engineering document or this design. Oh, and we need to submit it today (laughs) where there's no time built in to the schedule. Then it becomes this big rush and that's when... The we'll fix it later scenario comes up and that might be okay in like the plans production process of, of working through certain aspects of engineering, but you deliver physical products to clients, right? Yeah. That's not really an option for you.
2: Yeah. Physical products that have thousand different parts. So a thousand different components and you know, they could be right, but if the process, the communication between the parts themselves, even that is just is wrong. The whole system fails. Right. So definitely reviewing drawings, taking your time to do these controls. And sometimes also it's establishing those controls because someone may do their part, but they don't know how it may affect the the, the overall end goal. And you may share this now, but one of the challenges of that is just coming into a new industry or just a new company also sometimes there are certain procedures that are already or process accepted and they may not be the best ways to control quality right and ensure it's there and it's just trying to get buying but you have to try and do it you have to bring all the parties in and collect all the failures and just bring it hey you know these things keep happening we need to figure out how to control this, you need to put a control in place to address it. But it's important. And again, if people have these unrest expectations, you know, you, you have to be okay with saying, hey, you know, you're gonna get this, it's gonna be good, but you need to give it time to be tested and ensure that you're getting a good product.
1: I want to dive a little bit more into the the actual physical products aspect because we've had other guests on the show that we're talking about like standardized systems and things, but it's more to the plans and design end of things. But you're looking more at, or you're at least you're involved with that delivery to the client and making sure that system that you're delivering to them is functional. What kind of quality control measures, maybe are you establishing, at least in your mind? Are you establishing like checklists or like things? that you want to make sure that you hold accountable, or are they all coming from your employer or manufacturers, or is it determined in the design
2: phase even? It's determined in the design phase, but so you have to set some compromises in the design phase, right? Because it all trickles down, right? So if the design phase isn't right, and it was never checked, and then you use those prints to go build a product, then you you go to fabrication and then the fabrication is wrong and then you go to assembly and that ends up being wrong. And then you compromise there. And then when you take it to the end user and you try to integrate more things are wrong, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So it just, everything trickles down. So at every, every step of that, you do have to have certain controls in place and, you know, with just engineering first with design engineering and, you know, you have to determine, okay, well, Before you release this, what checks be in place, right? If it's electrical plan, you want a couple of parties to check that. So you will have the main design engineer, electrical engineer, or controls engineer working on them. But once they release them, you have an electrical manager that also reviews at a minimum, right? One or two other people review those prints and they sign up. And then once that's approved, that's released, that become a rev that has its own revenue. Right, so now you know you work work off of that rev number. And then same thing with mechanical drawings. Then when you release that, right, and now you go into, okay, procurement of these materials because you're purchasing everything off of the engineering design. The materials you order, it's already been speculated, right, what is required, and that's already been included in the bill of materials. So oftentimes the engineers themselves, of course, and during the review process of the design, The parts will be checked to make sure that, okay, well, these are good quality items. So typically you don't need to worry much about that as soon as once you have that engineering released and you have the controls in place, right? When you procure and then when you receive those items, either if it's already made, if it's a distributor supplier, or if you're assembling in part, you need also have quality items to check for there during receiving. It's always good practice to have a receiving sheet that lists out certain things to be checked out and ensure that whoever does the receiving will also review those quality items and also document the quality of the good that they're receiving from there on that's another i guess quality measure right there a milestone where you want to check things and then of course then when you assemble and you want to test that out also and you need to define what test parameters you want to follow. And also someone has to be designated responsible to make sure that that's being done. And my job oftentimes is I got to make sure all these things are happening. And sometimes it's challenging, but if the organization is big enough, they might hire maybe a quality engineer to do it. Sometimes I mean, I think is big enough, right? It's always good practice. But it comes
1: back to accountability, basically, is what you're saying. And and that communication and that rapport that you have, that there's quality at every step through the process, at least that's intended, and it's just making sure that those things are enforced and done to the highest degree. And I, I really appreciate your advice and your some of your experience there sharing that with the listeners. But I also want to dive into a little bit of the other things that you are involved with, because I think it relates to your ability to produce high-quality work. You and I met, I was actually on your podcast, the Engineers Hub podcast. And I'd invite you to just share a little bit about that podcast and maybe how that experience and how those interviews have helped you in your engineering career.
2: Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, if anything, those interviews have really they've opened up my eyes to new ways of looking at engineering, looking at the industries, right, looking at the specific disciplines, looking at the things that are common but also different. And also learning about, I often ask specific and killer questions depending on the guest, right? And depending on what they share, because it opens up my world and allows me to learn maybe new systems or new processes that I haven't considered before. You know, when you were on the podcast, you had a great framework, quality framework, right? And that was very helpful for me. <laughs> Another great skill, at least for the podcast, you know, or that you learn from that is just being able to connect and network with others, right? And now I'm in a position where that's what I do all the time. You know, every day I'm working with someone new or someone from a company that I didn't know. And, you know, you got to get these things done. You just got to be comfortable working, reaching out with people. And yeah, it just becomes natural and normal. You know, the podcast is just... It's mostly just engineers, engineering, and it's catered to that because that's what I do and that's what I'm in. So,
1: No, and I think it's great, and I think it just keeps reflecting. I think you and I, both in, in the hosting role and the ability to interview different people and have these conversations, it is about listening. It is about, I just like sitting back and listening to people's stories and their ideas, and hopefully that the listeners are getting as much out of it as, as I am and as we are because each one of those experiences that we've each had it influences the decisions that we make, whether we consciously do it or subconsciously do it. I mean, how many times do you listen to the radio or see something on the internet and you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then months or weeks, years later, you have an idea and, and that's still in the back of your mind. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, or even you might see something and you're not impressed by it, but next thing you know, you're doing it. You know, even social media, you have all these trends, dancing trends, or singing or humming or saying words. Uh, my daughter, she's four now, you know, she was just dabbing. Like, I was just looking at her like, where do you get that from? <laughs> you know, she got that from somewhere. And next thing you know, I'm doing that. It, although it's old, but I saw her do it and I wanted to, you know, mix her. So everything, all your interactions affect you. So with that, you know, making sure that you also control what you're exposed to is also very important. So uh, you got to have quality of control in what you allow your mind to be exposed to as well. <laughs> so that was good things.
1: And with that, you're also involved with a program that works with schools. Do you want to share a
2: little bit about that? The nonprofit work. So I do actually do two things that, that work with schools two different ways. So I'm involved with this nonprofit, and I'll, I've been involved with it actually since I was a teenager. So uh, I was a volunteer in in the organization. So what they do is they focus on higher education and students who are uh, have a, who come from a low income background provide resources for the students to complete higher education. So you know I give a lot of credit to who I am and the person I am today uh, because of the education that I had. First, you know my parents who decided I was worthy of having one. Right, it's a blessing and it's a privilege and. Beyond that, you know, at some point after high school, there's a lot of people who I met along the way who influenced my life, right, and allow me to be who I am today. So that's what really motivated me to, to get involved with the organization. And, yeah, I've been involved with them for almost 10 years. You know, currently I am I, the president of the organization. Every year we support with scholarship students. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand is, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, a lot of students after high school, because it's public, you know, they drop out and because they're required to support their family, right? And, you know, the world we live in today, the education really determines, it has a factor in how much you earn, has a factor in how you raise your kids. And so looking at all the conflicts, everything around the globe, one of the best ways to help humans live together in harmony? is making sure that we're all educated because we're a lot of us are prejudiced. And oftentimes it's just because of ignorance.
1: And all this experience that you've had, all this diversity, it makes you a better manager. It makes you a better person in the career that you've chosen. And I think it's going to make you better at focusing on those things like quality and not sacrificing because you have a reputation and and I commend you for that. I want to be conscious of your time And I just want to give you the opportunity to share a piece of advice that maybe you wish you knew sooner. We kind of call this the power of experience segment, but something that you wished or something that you want to share with the audience that you may use on a daily basis, something that you can think of.
2: One of the things I really want to just reiterate again, and this is something that I've just kind of hit me, you know, again, I've mentioned it before, but really Oftentimes, you know, when you think about, okay, being a manager and work with a lot of people, or you have to be talkative and you have to be an extrovert and you have to have, you know, this great personality, but a lot of it is really just really listening, right? You have to initiate the conversation. You have to be there to listen. And that really, listen twice as much as you talk and as a manager. And it's really been a great tool for me. And... It's helping me really build rapport with my team. You know, I, I don't like to think of it as people who report to me, but more so as people who are worked with, right, and the team and just listening to them and being there, initiating conversation because oftentimes, because of maybe your title or something like that, they may not be comfortable coming to you. So, like, you go to them and then just listening to them, share progress and things like that is great of doing it. So. Yeah, I'd like to double down on that and repeat that, right? Be present and be listening.
1: I think that's that's great advice. And and I think we all need to hear that sometimes. I'm definitely going to be thinking about that in the coming days and weeks. So what is the best way to connect with you if somebody wants to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing and, and the things in your career?
2: I'm on LinkedIn. So hopefully, yeah, you can include my LinkedIn show notes um that's really um i'm usually i have the apple phone so you can usually reach me there that's really the best way to connect with me um if you want to listen to the podcast right it's the engineers hub podcast it's on apple and itunes and spotify wherever you can listen to podcasts you can access it so those are really the two main ways i'm around i'm active so i'm here
1: (laughs) i think that's great so I just want to thank you for your time and look forward to continuing to follow you in your career and in your uh,
2: passions. Thanks, Brian. Uh, it's glad to be here. And thank you for actually, I'm glad you creating this opportunity for engineers to share their quality struggles and maybe ideas on how they can help navigate them because that's, that's very important. And I think it's going to definitely impact the industry and for the people who tune in. So it's going to have a positive impact in the overall engineering discipline as a whole.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you for joining us today on this episode. And please remember that you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at engineeringqualitycontrol.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points that we've discussed as well as links to the resources and organizations that we talked about today. Until next time friends, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors.
0: Thank you for listening and don't forget to download the latest version of our AE industry trends report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.